Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Our last episode was about an explosion, an explosion of coaching in modern life. All sorts of people are getting paid to be coaches in places that never used to have coaches. Big corporations, Wall Street trading floors, fire stations. People are declaring themselves coaches not just of skills, but of states of mind and getting paid to do it. So it's now more noticeable when you come across situations that cry out for a coach and no coach is around. When total amateurs who don't think of themselves as coaches are forced to coach for free because no one's doing it for money. Like this woman. I am Marissa Baradaran. I'm author of uh, several books and articles on um, banking and inequality, uh, racial wealth gap, etc. Marissa came to the United States from Iran as a child. Her family were political refugees. She's now a professor at the UC Irvine Law School, but it's not her job that matters here. Marissa's brother-in-law is the sheriff of a small town east of Los Angeles. He called her one day to say he'd taken in a high school student. She was his son's classmate and track teammate, and she was homeless. Her name is Kayla. Kayla kept getting kicked out of her home, like on and off, and finally permanently um, last year. And so their son, you know, told his parents, and they just said, come live with us, right? Marissa found Kayla totally striking, six feet tall, self-possessed. But she's a 17-year-old African-American girl in a poor white town, not just homeless, but working two jobs, just trying to figure out how to survive. I don't know the exact date, but I think maybe around September, uh, my mother kicked me out of the house. That's Kayla. It was something that, it happened before, but this time it was a permanent one. So I just tried to be prepared, but I mean, there's not much you can be prepared for when that happens. Why did she say she kicked you out of the house? This recent time, I think it was just maybe, I feel like a lack of appreciation. Maybe she didn't think I appreciated what she's done for me because I think she felt that um, I was only there to finish my education and that I was um, using everything she gave me just to uh, go to school. Um, So, yeah, I think that's probably the main reason why she kicked me out. Are you still in touch with her? Uh, No, I don't talk to her at all. Okay, so I asked Kayla a bunch of questions, but her new friend Marissa had asked her more. She learned that Kayla was a star long-distance runner, a great student, too, who'd somehow maintain a grade point average of 4.0. Kayla had managed to take the SAT, too. She just walked into an SAT center and taken it cold without any idea of what it was. She got a score of 1260, which was better than 83% of the other people who took it. 
Marissa could see how badly Kayla wanted to go to college. And she knew from her brother-in-law that college was not the obvious next step for kids from Kayla's school. I mean, this this is a high school, and I went to one of these high schools where the only recruiters that come to campus are like military and community college, if that. So most of these kids are not, you know, four-year college bound. When she first tells you what she's doing in, mm-hmm. to, to apply to college, the first time you sit down and talk to her about it, mm-hmm. uh, what does she say and what is your response? She says, I said, well, what colleges are you applying to? And she says, well, I applied to um, a couple of like UC schools. I think she'd applied to like three schools at the time. She'd actually applied to four schools, state schools, because you could do that for free. Never mind the eventual tuition. Kayla couldn't afford the application fees. So I just asked Kayla, I'm like, hey, do you mind if I, look, I'll pay for the, the application costs and we'll just do it together. Would you be into that? And she was super into it, right? So she was like, absolutely... I want to do this. Anyway, that's how Marissa remembers it. Kayla recalls hesitating before she said yes. She's like, what college is you applying for? You're only applying to four. Well, you need to apply to more. And I was like, well, I can't pay for this. And she was like, well, you don't have to worry about that. I got it. I got it covered. And at first I was really like, I'm not the type of person that accepts money from other people. It was the first time that anyone had offered to help her. And the situation was as new to Kayla as it was to Marissa. You know, you could tell that she's hungry for the coaching and she she wanted it. And so I could just see that. And, and you know, I don't have a lot of time either, right? Like I have a full-time job and kids and all the other stuff. But when you see someone like that, you're like, okay, whatever it takes, I'm going to help you with this because it, who else is going to? Exactly, right? Who else is going to? Kayla Sasser is the kind of kid every elite school in the country claims to be looking for. Marissa had the same thought. She also thought, oh no, I'm too late. I'm Michael Lewis, and this is Against the Rules, a show about various authority figures in American life. This season is about the rise of coaches. And this episode is about a place in American life where there should be coaches. Columbia asks, what exhibits, lectures, theater productions, and concerts have you liked best in the last year? I'm tempted to write Carmen at the Metropolitan Opera. Psych, my town doesn't even have a movie theater. Kayla Sasser's deadline for college applications was less than a month away. There wasn't time to hire an SAT coach and retake the test, or anything like that. So her new friend Marissa just starts grabbing applications to elite schools off the web. Now she and Kayla have to figure out how to decode what they're really asking the kids who apply. I ask her what kids do for entertainment, and she says, um, drugs. Another school asks her what her favorite periodicals, newspapers, and websites are. She doesn't have access to a computer, except when she does homework on a school computer. She doesn't get the New Yorker. She's never traveled outside her town. It just seems like anyone who can answer these questions has got to be coached. Kayla obviously needs a coach, and Marissa, just by chance and temperament, is the right person to coach her. But right away, she's seeing the bigger issue. And then I'm looking at these questions, and I'm like, you clearly don't get it, right? You don't understand what it's like to grow up in a rural town and not have resources like, you know, elite Americans do. So she helps Kayla with the application questions as best she can. Then they get to the big one, the personal essay. The place where you let all these college admissions officers know who you really are. Rich kids get all kinds of help doing this. They write about their week-long service trip to some poor Guatemalan village as a transformative experience in which they overcame something or other. Marissa looks at an essay Kayla already wrote, the one for her University of California applications. So here she is. She's African-American you know, uh, homeless, uh, works two jobs. And I mean, just every obstacle you want to put in someone's path, she's had it. And um, her essays were on, you know, like um, how she stopped bullies on the cross country team, which my goodness, I mean, she's a hero, but like there wasn't a lot in there where she was explaining to them the circumstances that she's overcome. Kayla has like zero perspective on her own life. This doesn't surprise Marissa. I'm a war refugee. I immigrated to America when I was 10. My mom spent my entire childhood in political prison. I saw, you know, bodies hanging in Iran. And I wrote my college application on, you know, how Alice Walker's The Color Purple changed my 
view of literature, right? <laughs> so there was nothing in my 18-year-old college application about my background because I, I couldn't put it into words at the time. And I and when you're 18 or 17, or at least when I was and when Kayla is where she's at, you don't want to put that front and center. You don't want to be a victim. You are a, a survivor. You're just like everyone else. You're normal. And, and, and you should be. It's not like Marissa wants Kayla to relive her trauma for the benefit of college admissions officers. But she does want her to get her situation across to them because it matters. It matters that she overcame so much just to get to this point, applying to college. She wanted to write her essay about international relations in Spanish. I'm like, why are you so, you know, she wants to do foreign languages and that's her thing. And she, she wrote a lot about that. And I said, why? You know, tell me more about what got you interested in Spanish. And it took like maybe 10 questions to get to when she first got kicked out. The family that took her in was um, Spanish speaking. They spoke limited English. And she felt like she really wanted to communicate with this family and she couldn't because she didn't speak Spanish. So she, you know, started listening to podcasts and books on tape just to learn Spanish so she could communicate with this family that was taking her in. That's the story, right? Yes. Um, and and for her, it was just, I'm really interested in languages and I want to go study abroad and see how the world is and, and, and all of this stuff. Marissa went to a high school just like Kayla's. She knows Kayla because she was Kayla once. And now... She's her college application coach. Multiply this story by thousands, and you never know. Maybe it changes the world. The decline of social mobility. It's a desperate problem, and no one seems to know how to solve it. But when you hear the story of Kayla Sasser, or at least when I hear the story of Kayla Sasser, I wonder, is this partly a coaching problem? That is, is it a problem that coaches might help to solve? This idea isn't original with me. Dave Eggers had it back in the year 2000. He'd recently published his first book, which was called A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. And he'd also started tutoring kids who'd fallen behind in school. When I heard about Dave doing this back then, I remember thinking, he's just looking for even more ways to make other writers feel inferior. But Dave was actually into it. He could see that his tutoring had a big effect. And a thought struck him. The teachers here in San Francisco that I knew might have 100 or 150 students a day, and uh, they just didn't have enough time to reach and bring every student up to grade level, especially on their English writing and reading. And so they kept saying, if, we, if I could clone myself, I could give all of these kids the time that they needed. And that just sort of sunk in and rattled in my brain for a few years. And finally, we thought, well, maybe we could use all of this available time among the writers, editors, freelancers, journalists, graduate students that we know, and have them become this clone army, helping the students bring each student up to grade level by giving them that you know hour or two of one-on-one -on -one attention every day after school. And... Um, it worked, and it grew kind of rapidly. Dave rented a building for his clone army. It was in the Mission District of San Francisco. He named the organization for the address, 826 Valencia. In the back was the McSweeney's publishing offices, and the front was all going to be the tutoring center, but that's when the landlord told us that the front was zoned for retail, and we had to sell something in the storefront. What about eye patches? That's when we came upon uh, the idea of selling buccaneer supplies to working pirates. 826 Valencia became both tutoring center and pirate gear retail store. Yeah, Soon Dave opened another tutoring center in Boston, which sold Bigfoot-themed merchandise and yet another in Brooklyn, which sold superhero equipment. But as Dave's organization encountered and helped more kids, he started to see another problem. You know, the kids started aging up, and we had a lot of high school kids come in for various programs, and I started writing college recs for these kids and realizing that depending on whether or not their family, their parents had gone to college, they had drastically different levels of preparation. 
Dave's tutors were working mostly with kids from families in which no one had ever gone to college. He saw that the society was saying one thing about social mobility, but doing another. It had structured itself to keep these kids in the class to which they were born. The kids that had family members that had gone to college might be applying to 12 or 13 colleges all over the country because they knew the landscape. Their parents had sort of told them the, the wider national college landscape. And the kids that were first in their family going to public schools here in San Francisco generally applied to two colleges, uh, City College and SF State. And they did not generally know about all the other opportunities. Did it surprise you that the public schools that they were in didn't have college counseling departments that had done this work for them? Well, in California, the last statistic I saw said that in among public high school students in California, the ratio of students to counselors is 945 to 1. And that's not just college counselors, that's all counselors. So I keep on meeting counselors that would say, I'd say, well, what are your goals this year? And she would say, my goal this year is to meet the students in my cohort, just meet them, let alone spending maybe 10 to 12 hours per student that you might need to properly prepare them for college. In 2010, Dave created this whole other organization to do for a bunch of kids in San Francisco essentially what Marissa had set out to do for Kayla. To help them find good colleges and to get into them. Dave called this new organization Scholar Match. And it was indeed able to help a couple of hundred high school kids get scholarships. And all seemed well. But all was not well. As listeners of this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert teams of nerds have the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans had this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new, data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, and I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the Customer Experience category at the Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data. We can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye, or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event, 
and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So Dave Eggers and his Scholar Match program were helping low-income kids get into college. But once the kids got there, they had a bunch of problems that Dave hadn't anticipated. Stress about work. Stress about planning an hourly schedule. Stress about their families back home. Health issues. And the kids started dropping out. Nationwide, the dropout rate for first-generation college students is scandalous. Only about one in every nine of them actually finishes school. ScholarMatch thought they'd anticipated this problem. I mean, they'd found the right school for the student and the money to pay for it. But still, 40% of their kids were dropping out. Like, what good is it if you go to a school with a full ride that you're going to feel like you don't fit in or like you're not welcome and then it's you're going to struggle the whole way and not make it anyway. Her name is Diana Adamson. Dave Eggers hired her to run Scholar Match. And Diana started keeping a mental list of all the snags their first-generation students hit. A failed class. An illness. The wrong major. A parent whose immigration status was called into question. These kids were being dealt crippling blows by things that privileged kids might treat as bumps in the road. And the blows could come before they even set foot on any college campus. The summer before the start of college was especially fraught. So there's two things that happened in that summer. One is they have to put in a housing deposit to reserve their dorm. And it costs a couple hundred dollars, sometimes as much as 400. Most of our students have a little bit of difficulty of coming up with $400 in a week, you know, to send off to the school. But if you don't do that, then you run the risk of not getting put in a dorm. And we've seen that happen. And so then a student gets the money, but it's late. And then they're not prioritized for a dorm placement. And then they suddenly don't have a dorm. They have to live off campus as a freshman. And it it just becomes the first step in the unraveling of, oh, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. First-generation college students from low-income families were in some ways incredibly robust. I mean, just to get into a college was an amazing achievement. But they could be derailed by problems that money alone couldn't solve. Even my family disagreed with going to Ohio. Meet Andy Saw of San Francisco. And your parents had not gone to college. No. I think the farthest they got was in high school. Were they born and raised here? No, they're all from China. Are they? Yeah, none of them speak English. Andy went through the Scholar Match program, and it introduced him to the world, especially the world of private colleges with full-ride scholarships. Before that, he just assumed he'd go to community college. And maybe one day, if he got really lucky, he'd transfer to a state university. I went over to the Mission District. Uh-huh. I was like, I need help with my like application. I'm not sure what I'm really doing either. That's where... Ohio Wesleyan came into the picture. How, how did it come into the picture? Because I told Noel that, like, our community, the Asian-American community, only thinks about UCs. Uh-huh. So I'm like, you see this, you see that. That's, like, my only option. And then we have safety schools, like state and city. For sure, I'll get in those, but UC is the reach, right? Andy was talking with a guy named Noel Ramirez, the person at Scholar Match who helped him with his college application. And the thing with Andy is that we had many conversations, and I can recall with him that um, he had this exceptional interest in life. It, it was beyond getting the job. You know, I think in his letter of recommendations, I wrote for him that 
I said that he was the type of student that wasn't only interested in, you know, getting a job, getting married, buying a house, having kids, buying a pet. So with that, I felt he he would thrive at a place that would have those types of conversations where he could take a philosophy class, a religion class, where he would meet people from all over the world, where he would take a risk and go to a place that looks completely different from his world. So Noel and Andy focused on applying to Ohio Wesleyan. The school had a great biology program, but also a strong humanities program. It not only accepted Andy, he was able to go there on scholarship. All Andy needed to do was to get there. And that's when things took a turn. Keep in mind, this is like my second time flying. I did not know what to do. Andy's only other time flying was when he was six months old. He had no real experience with travel. And at the San Francisco airport, his plane was fogged in. By the time he landed in Chicago for his connecting flight to Ohio, the flight was gone. What do you do? Uh, I walked around just following people who were like on the same plane with us to go in Ohio, just listening to what everyone's saying. And some were like, I just, I'm going to go to a hotel and sleep. And I'm like, I don't really know this neighborhood. Like, I don't want to take that risk. He's now living in his head. So I walked around more. They gave us a food voucher and I got my food from McDonald's. And I decided like, it's not worth going outside. I should just sleep in the airport. But then someone told him he needed to go to the ticket counter to get on the first flight out in the morning. And Andy met his first gate agent. The airline person ripped up my ticket. He said, this ticket no longer works. We're going to rip it up. He ripped it up in front of my face. And I was like, man, you can't do this to me right now. And I tear it up. So you thought he was taking away your ticket. And yeah, you like, I thought I was going to be trapped in O'Hare. I was like, why'd you do that? Like, I started tearing up. Yeah. That was like my first time crying. So really? Well, like in front of people, yeah. They rip up your ticket. It's like they're, they're sentencing you to life in prison in O'Hare Airport. Yeah. Is like, what it feels like. I was going to be trapped there. Like, why'd you do that? I have no exit now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. And it was bad. But it got worse. Andy called home. And his family reminded him that they hadn't liked the idea of him going so far away. Your family your family thought it was a bad idea. It was a bad idea. Like, look, well, look what you've been through. Like, you shouldn't not be going to this place. Look at all these negative outcomes that happened. Andy tried to sleep that night on the floor of O'Hare Airport. But his parents' fears echoed in his head. It was a bad idea. Like, look at all these negative, outcome negative outcomes that happened. This faraway college thing was a big mistake. And he he comes back like with this terrible attitude about the trip saying, I don't want to go anymore. It's not worth it. Noel Ramirez again, Andy's college coach. I just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. That's something that I guess I wasn't prepared. I didn't know I should have prepared him in advance mentally. What, what happens when you face these types of obstacles, but... but how, would, how would you ever have prepared him for it? I guess you could have taken him, you simulate a flight. Actually, you know, to, to, to be honest, after that incident, that's, that's what I started to do. Actually, for students that were going uh, to taking a, a plane right away, we did develop a, kind of a training module for these students so that they know exactly what to do. This sort of thing was now happening all the time at Scholar Match. Here's Dave Eggers again. Once there was an obstacle or once there was a reason to, to quit, they often did. They don't, have, they don't have a set of assumptions, like the set of assumptions that you and I grew up with, that you just, right. you're just supposed to go to college. When you are the first, it can be like heading out you know, on a polar expedition to the North Pole. Like why, why would you go, go do that when you could be home? Scholar Match had set out to connect smart and ambitious kids from low-income families with rich colleges that had the resources to support them. But the colleges were in some ways ill-equipped to educate kids who grew up without money or the assumptions that money allows you to have. Everything you've described about, and the coaches have described, about the relationship of this pool of kids to this process makes it feel like a catastrophic environment where there is there's so many things that could kill you in the environment. It's true. It's like if you could build a system against students that didn't have support navigating it, this is what it would look like. This is the director of Scholar Match, Diana Adamson. We've heard this from students before where almost like they didn't know they were poor. 
until they got there. And it's not so much that they thought they had all this money, you know, it's more like they were fine. Like they were, their life was adequate for them. And it's not until you get to this place where you realize like, oh wow, the ceiling is so much higher than you ever imagined. And you just didn't even realize. It creates some complex emotions. A bad grade on a paper, or God forbid an F. It can feel like the end of the world for a lot of kids in college, but it's so much worse when no one back home has any clue what you're up against. We had a student once tell us, I think she summed it up the best, where she was so excited that she had just picked her major. And she didn't know how to tell her parents about it because she didn't know the word for it in Chinese. And her parents don't speak English. So there was just this huge disconnect where she wants to go home and like tell her parents all about this amazing things that she's learning and she just doesn't have the words for it. They can't actually understand. Yeah. But that's a little metaphor for the whole exactly. pro- the whole problem. Yeah. Dave and Diana get the idea of hiring people to work with scholar match kids after they get into college. But they need the right kind of person, the right kind of coach. So we would do a lot of role plays and just see could they empathize with the student. So we we had a couple scenarios that we knew would come up and we would have a staff member play the student and hear how they and they didn't have to hit do it perfectly, you know, there you, was Give me an example. I mean, so sure. put me in the position. Okay. So um do you do you want to be the coach? Yeah. Okay, so here, I be, I'm applying for the job. Yeah, okay. So the scenario is um, you're doing a check-in call with me, and I just got my grades back, and I'm um, failing a class, and so I want to leave and go home. Because you're failing a class? Yeah. Is it your first year? Uh, yeah, it's so my first, first time you've gotten graded. It's my first semester. What did you fail? Does it matter? Um, I failed chemistry. You failed chemistry. And I want to be a, a doctor. You want to be a doctor? Yeah. And I'm supposed to say something now. Yeah. So you're calling for, for <laughs> you've seen my grades, but we haven't talked it about it. It was my yet. own kid. It would be, what the fuck are you doing? No, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are you yeah, doing? Yeah, we're not hiring you. Yeah, yeah. So that's already, I'm, I'm already disqualified. <laughs> not, All right, so I've got to get done. into a different space. It's a different kind of child. Yep. Well, the first thing I'd say is, when I was your age, I failed a class too, actually. I, 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 and I took it pass fail, so it's even, I, I, it's even less forgivable. So just, just for starters, the, an F is not the end of the world. Okay, that's a great first step. Right? You're, so you're normalizing like, the experience. It, it, it's, a, and... it's, a, it's totally not the end of the world. In fact, I did quite well in college after that. So it was, just, it was just a bump on the road, and I had to figure out what it was I was doing that I needed to change. In my case, I needed to stop going to squash, play squash, <laughs> instead of going to the physics lab. Yeah. But, 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 that was, but it took me a while to figure that out. So, but in your case, I mean, we, let, let's talk about um, what, how did you feel like it, when you were in that class? Did you? Oh, I felt terrible. I couldn't understand the lectures. I couldn't keep up with it. I feel like everyone else in the class had taken chemistry in high school, and so they just knew the stuff, and they didn't even have to study. And That's probably true. It's probably true that you came into that class at, at some kind of disadvantage because you're not used to failing much. You've been a great student your whole life. And it's really hard, um, really hard, to start off behind everybody in something. Mm-hmm. And if you'd been this – if if – if those kids had been in the in your situation, they probably would have failed too. So, so maybe the first thing we need to talk about is how you decide what classes you're going to take, so we so we don't put you in this situation again because it's not a fair situation. You're crushing it. Maybe we would hire you. Yeah. Well, actually, the first thing I say is, what the fuck are you doing? So you got you thrown me out of the room. So I'm probably not built to be a college coach, but Diana finds plenty of people who are, and they start coaching. And the coaching pays off. As listeners of this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert teams of nerds have the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before Nerd Wallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. 
but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know the fans had this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new, data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, and I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the customer experience category at the Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data. We can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye, or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Scholar Match has started out almost as a technical advisor for kids on how to apply to college, how to apply for loans and grants. But in short order, it became something else, a place where students could be coached as they tried to move from one social class to another. The new coaches became deeply involved in the lives of the students, and they had astonishing effects. The graduation rate for Scholar Match kids went from 60% to 81%, which beat the national average for all college students, never mind first-generation ones. Coaching these kids all the way to a college diploma costs Scholar Match roughly $13,000 a student. The expected lifetime earnings of a person with a college degree is $1.2 million more than a person who doesn't graduate from college. But it's not only that. A college degree in a family that's never had one? That has even more ripple effects. For instance, it makes it a lot more likely that younger siblings will go to college. But the scholar match coaching was also having effects that were harder to measure. I didn't really see myself going to college at all. None of my friends that I grew up with did. This is Luis Mendez. It wasn't something that was possible for me, given my academic background, given the things that, you know, I was into. And if you want to get a picture, um, you know, I grew up here in San Francisco. 
Uh, we grew up doing what teenagers in the city do, you know, vandalizing, smoking weed, drinking, you know, and all that. Lewis got himself thrown out of high school his junior year, and he went to work doing odd jobs. When I was 16 or 17, I started reading books, right? My stepdad, uh, he was incarcerated for about 8 to 10 years. He knew all the classic books. He had read them all while incarcerated, right? And he started passing them down to me. Uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all these books, they're saying... You know, uh, if, if you think it, you, if you believe it, was all the cliche stuff, right? But I bought into it at the time. Like, hey, like, it is possible for me to, to grow and, 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 um, and do something with my life. And Lewis turns a corner, gets a GED, goes to community college, gets a variety of part-time jobs, and gets himself into UC Davis on his own. And then? I was walking in the neighborhood. In the Mission. In the Mission, right, in the Mission District, Valencia. And it was the summer before I started school at UC Davis. Lewis had spotted the Scholar Match office. He'd already gotten himself into a good college. And you'd already figured out how to pay for it up to some point, or had you not? I figured that there is going to fall into place. (laughs) 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 I, I said, we'll figure it out. All Lewis needed at the time was access to a computer so he could take his UC Davis placement exams. Scholar Match let him use a computer, and so Lewis kept coming back. And they grew so fond of him that they offered to help him out more. He hadn't gone through their program, so they couldn't give him money, but they could give him a coach. What's the coach's name? Kate. Kate. Lewis had zero sense at that point that he was going to need Kate. But as it turned out, UC Davis was a shock to his system. The campus was only an hour or so away from where he grew up, but it was the first time that he felt like he was in another world. I mean, like, did you you have trouble making friends? Uh, Did you, you don't seem like the kind of person who's going to have trouble making friends. Well, my story, I don't want to blame it on on the campus. I don't want to blame it on the population or, you know, the the design of the program or anything like on demographics. But for whatever reason, I did have a challenge of going deeper in my relationships with students on campus. I would see students that were like the best of buds. Right? <laughs> and me, you know, I was the guy everyone knew and I, and I was cool with a lot of people. Uh, but I don't think I ever got to that deep, consistent connection with, other with my peers. Huh. Yeah. Because you felt different. Lewis tried going to a frat party. Didn't like it. I actually found my place in the Christian community, but... On a day-to-day basis, I, it just it wasn't a deep connection, I, I guess, with my peers. That's unusual. That strikes me as odd that you were so enmeshed in the Christian community and it didn't yield deep relationships. I would think it would. Right. Yeah. Because that's the idea right. behind it, right. right? Did you feel vulnerable or exposed or like, did you, were you scared or did you, did you feel insecure? I was scared and... I was at this point, I remember it clearly um, I was in tears because I thought to myself, if if I can't make solid friendships and deep connection on the college campus when it's like geared for that, for socialization, how am I going to make connections and deep friendships post-college when everyone's just everywhere and is not as structured, right? And isn't this the place where everyone meets their best friends? Like, where's my? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was a little scared about that. Um, but quitting and dropping out just wasn't an option for me. Still, Lewis didn't think to turn to his college coach, Kate. Hi, how are you? Hi, Michael and Kate. Kate, how are you? We're so going we're to talk. So, so this is where Lewis wandered in. This is exactly where Lewis came when he was working for Uber. This is Kate Bueller. At the time she met Lewis, who was driving an Uber to make ends meet, she was also coaching 50 other students. But she paid enough attention to Lewis to see that he was struggling and trying to hide it. So she tells him, We're going to have an adult relationship. And honesty is a big part of that. And we're going to be accountable to each other. And I am here to guide you in making sure you grow as a person. And when I feel like there's a missing part of that story, I ask, you know, this isn't totally adding up. Around this time, Lewis did something that caught his coach's attention and would have caught no one else's. He was late for a class, 
I missed a calculus exam. I walk in and everyone's turning in their scantrons. I had a check-in with uh, Kate later that day and she asked me about it. She said, Louis, how did the exam go? I said, well, uh, what happened was I thought the class started at 11. It really started at 9.30. But I talked to my professor and it's fine. He said, I can still pass the class. I just cannot miss another one, right? And I had this very relaxed attitude, no guilt, no regret. I I got it under control, Kate. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's more to this story, right? There's more to this story about missing an exam that isn't just thinking it's all going to work out. And and my goal then is to have authentic conversation of, don't you think that you should not be half-assing this thing that you've worked for your whole entire life? The coach had noticed a tendency in her player. It wasn't about him getting a C in that class. It wasn't about getting A. It was more how does he move through life and actually push himself to learn and hold himself responsible when it makes sense. Up to this point in his life, Luis Mendez had never really had a lot of people who believed in him. How did you decide she was someone you trusted? It's a good question. I think I had been waiting for such a long time for an authority figure because growing up from just my mom, my mom being stretched super thin by all five of us and work and everything, I never had anyone to tell me what to do. So it's almost as if Kate finally answered or met this need or this longing of having someone to tell me to go to class, right? When you grow up in a privileged environment, you kind of take that voice for granted. You forget just how powerful it can be. And she made you aware of essentially a lower expectation you had for yourself. Exactly. exactly. But you might not have even put it into words. I was unconscious of it. I was unconscious. I, I, I figured, you know, when I get to my career, that's when I really come alive and turn up and, and, and really throw myself into this work. Um, but I just need to get through this first. But she said, no, start now. Don't wait. And the reality is, at first he hears my voice saying it. But you know what time? He just hears himself saying it. Your coach won't let you give up, even when that's all you're trying to do. Andy Saw hit a snag in the O'Hare airport and then flew back home. He just wanted to give up. But he didn't return just to his family. He had to explain himself to his coach, Noel Ramirez. I got on the phone with Noel, like, hey, I can't do this. Like, I'm going to take the safe route, not the risky route. So I talked to Noel, I was crying, like, I can't do this, No, I know you think it's better, but I don't think it's better. It's not possible for me to go to Ohio. Noel hears Andy say that he's already enrolled in a local community college. He then says, you can do this. Go back to Ohio Wesleyan. It's worth it. What's more, I will go back with you. I'll get on the plane, fly with you to Ohio and stay there until you feel happy. And I was like, okay, I'll trust, like, I will trust you, like, 100%. This this is the best option. I believe you. Noel spends five days on campus sleeping on various couches. He introduces Andy to his new life. After five days, he leaves, and Andy stays. A bit later, Andy's parents finally visited. They went there, and they're like, what is this place? There's no one here. Do you not have any, like, our Asian food? There's no rice. So it was a like culture shock for them, too. But I trust every word that Noel said. I just 100% trusted it. Andy Saw graduated from Ohio Wesleyan four years later, in 2018, with a degree in microbiology. Was it a good experience? Best four years of my life. I'm Michael Lewis. Thanks for listening to Against the Rules. Against the Rules is brought to you by Pushkin Industries. The show's produced by Audrey Dilling and Catherine Giradeau, with research assistance from Lydia Jean Cott and Zoe Wynn. Our editor is Julia Barton. Mia Lobel is our executive producer. Our theme was composed by Nick Bertel, with additional scoring by Stellwagen Symphonette. We got fact-checked by Beth Johnson. Our show was recorded by Topher Ruth and Trey Schultz at Northgate Studios in Berkeley. And thanks to BBDO San Francisco for providing audio for this episode. 
As always, thanks to Pushkin's founders, Jacob Weisberg and Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, I almost forgot Kayla Sasser, the high school senior we began with. I checked in with her after her acceptance letters started to roll in. So, so tell me, since we last talked, what you've heard. Um, so I've gotten into, I think, about 11 schools. Um, do you want me to list them? Yes. You, okay. okay. You, got, you, got in, <laughs> you got into 11 schools? <laughs> yes. CSU San Bernardino, CSU LA, and CSU Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into CBU, um, University of Redlands, Whittier, um, UC Riverside, UC San Diego, UCLA, which was really awesome, mm-hmm. and NYU. Oh, I also got into San Diego State University, uh-huh. but I didn't apply to that one. So that was like really surprising. I didn't know how that worked. So you got into 10 schools that are in California and one in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.